welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, and that's not Matt, it's Jordan. Hey, Jordan, Ponce de Leon, constantly on, the fountain of youth, not Robotron. Donald Trump and Donald Trump living in the men's shelter. Guys, we're, we're, we are shopping at Paul's Boutique this week. Uh, the, uh, the second Beastie Boys album from 1989. Uh, and, and those are two lines from, uh, from this classic album. Uh, and, and this is an album that, uh, Jordan, you had not listened to uh, 24 hours ago as of the recording. You're a, a, late, a late substitution and had Paul's, uh, Paul's Boutique uh, thrust upon you. Uh, how, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's been a disorienting and confounding uh 24 hours but i'm i'm very glad that i finally got a chance to listen to it it's not like i'd never heard of it i knew it was supposed to be great and i'd always had it on my list but like i don't know it it takes something to sign up for that much uh that much yeah uh so i just i just never bothered to sit down and listen to the thing that's right i mean because like i think the yeah i I assume what you mean is the the sound of the beastie boys voices which is like three gilbert godfrey's yelling at you like uh in in kind of in unison or in tandem (laughs) (laughs) the uh the metaphor i was going to use is like you know you guys just did public enemy and whenever people listen to public enemy they're like why doesn't flavor flav rap it's just chuck all the time well if you wanted to know what it would sound like if flavor flavor wrapped all the time this is what you <laughs> this is what you got you know right i mean this is like the, like right this is why people don't eat bouillon cubes because there's too much flavor right yes, like, yes. <laughs> or, or like a big bowl of ketchup like ketchup is great on stuff you don't want to eat it like soup i guess that's what we'll get to right the last uh suite of songs is called b-boy bula base and i don't even want to know what goes into that bula base like it's 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 like it's like ketchup and adidas sneakers yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and just boil <laughs> The fish is stuff from like the East River and the Gowanus Canal. It's- yeah, yeah, it's it's local. It's locally sourced uh, from from 1980s New York waterways. Um, and I think that this is. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about this. But I think part of why this is potentially disorienting also is that this is not. You know, unless you are a super, uh, Beastie Boys super fan or a Paul's Boutique super fan, this is likely not the Beastie Boys you know, right? This is not Fight for Your Right to Party boy- Beastie Boys, but it's not Sabotage Beastie Boys either, uh, and it's not Intergalactic Beastie Boys, uh, and it's not What You What You Want Beastie Boys. It's like if you like like are talking to someone who has no familiarity with Paul's Boutique about this, and and like those are all of the things they would list, and they're like, okay, I got nothing, um, and they're like, you know, like oh no, it's the Beastie Boys that samples a random snippet of a Johnny Cash song and an entire Beatles song uh, and and all of that. Uh, it's the it's the Beastie Boys kind of experimental noise record, right? Yeah, yeah. And also the Beastie Boys record that figures in the history of hip hop. You know, yeah, like that. Uh, that this one comes up in the the sort of. Um, the canonical list of greatest records that you have to check out Paul's Boutique yeah. to hear what sampling was like before the Bismarck Key decision uh, exactly. ruined it for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as well. I think this, if, for that reason, it pairs really well with Public Enemy. Uh, and it's also, I think, it's this really interesting node for a lot of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks of this uh, this quarter. It also connects weirdly to, even though it was recorded in L.A. Uh, after the BCs decamped, it is an ode to kind of downtown New York and to kind of New York of the 80s more generally in ways that kind of has some overlaps with sonic youth and it is this kind of proto rap rock in ways that um that the red hot chili peppers were right so that it's this it's this uh, very important kind of pathway to the 90s as well so in addition to kind of the evolution of hip-hop it's also i think important in the evolution of kind of alternative musics as well right especially because i mean you know i was i was aware of kind of sabotage and some of the other hits from ill communication um before i was really even you know into hip-hop that deeply because again i was I, we've talked about this a lot in this quarter and we'll talk about it more i was very much glued to kind of prime time mtv and sabotage especially was in heavy rotation right so so i, I think that there is a, this is an one of of several really interesting um cross sections uh, and kind of uh, um crossroads uh in in what we're talking about but again strap in <laughs> uh because uh it is it is you know uh about 23 tracks, I believe, uh, depending on uh, how you're listening to it. Uh, I believe that's about how um, Spotify uh, uh, 
chops it up like the last song uh, I believe which was one song on the record uh, and in some other pressings is like a nine part suite uh, the aforementioned uh, b-boy uh, bula bays uh, and there are there are non sequiturs and left turns and and hooks that are not repeated and dead ends and 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 all of these things um, yeah. and and let it be said some bangers uh, yeah Yes, exactly. There are there are there are some absolute bangers, and there are some absolute like I think that most people. I mean, you know, if you can't get past the voices or you can't get past the kind of jumps in attention, I don't blame you. But I think that if you do get to listen three or four, you will both find at least one banger and at least one unexpected small moment, right? Uh, one kind of like thing where that you only notice after the fourth or fifth listen, really. Like, huh that's like whether it's a line or a sonic thing there's all of these little these little easter eggs uh and 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 i guess it's it's telling because there's a whole song about eggs Uh, um so uh maybe you know maybe 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 it's all part of the bc boys plan but that's enough uh prologue get get thee to paul's boutique uh and uh listen to it as many times as it takes to sink in um and we'll be we'll be waiting for you uh right here uh when we uh, get back from this word from our commercial sponsors are you looking for protein <laughs> i always am why not try i bet i bet and i bet you're tired of meats and uh and and hams and steaks and all of those things i don't really like to eat anything that has a face and or that is not a symbol of life well, I, I, how about eggs? Because <laughs> they are a symbol of life. Uh, and Humpty Dumpty was a big fat egg. No, uh, I don't but- know. Don't those come from bunnies? Well, uh, you know, I egged the chicken and I ate his uh, and I ate his leg. So, and I'm fine. So, I think that don't really think too much. Think about the egg, maybe as a metaphor, maybe as a source of protein, maybe as a thing that you can throw at your enemies. The point is, I'm uh, a spokesperson for the Egg Council of America, and I need you to buy eggs. Please buy these eggs. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I, I implore you. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll do whatever you want. Just buy buy these eggs we've got a warehouse full of them if they sit around to the end of the month it's hot it's summer these are going to be hard eggs to sell it it already smells like sulfur dear god buy buy our eggs buy buy our eggs and we're back (laughs) yeah eggman is a real standout to me too that's might be my favorite song from the whole record yeah i mean let's i i mean you know let's let's just like throw tradition out the window and and just start talking about a song (laughs) you know we could i could troll you with a question and then meander around context uh for for 20 or do you have a question that you'd like i was curious if you had one i I do I, I kind of cherish these questions. I'd hate to have it go, oh, okay. go unheard. Well, and I think that this is a way... I think Eggman and several of the other songs that I like are ways into this. I mean, you know, I think that... My question is, you know, these Beastie Boys, with their their lines about um, and egg, eggs being the symbols of life, and their dense musical and lyrical references to to literature and the Bible and movies, um, are they the original rap geniuses? um i think the answer is a qualified no because there are geniuses you can point to earlier than this but they do seem to be sort of uniquely qualified for the genius treatment right yeah and i and i and 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 i guess if i if i modified the question to have the have scare quotes around rap genius or around genius uh, around genius uh would that would that tilt the scales uh in that are they the first kind of I, i mean i guess it's an interesting question because i think the other way in which they are geniusy in the kind of disparity gene sense is the kind of a little bit of having the smug self-satisfaction of contributors to rapgenius.com sure sure you know um <laughs> the the thing that i was going to ask you because i always like in order to be like extra a dick to ask questions that aren't yes or no questions <laughs> was to what extent does it matter that these guys are white 
a qualified yes <laughs> <laughs> a qualified some right <laughs> yeah no i think it is and it's it's hard to put um exactly into this this context but it's a debate that, that you still see right as we talked about with public enemy last week a lot of the things that were talked about in public enemy are still relevant today even more so um and and i would say that some of the what i understand of the discourse around race in the bc boys uh and rap uh was it uh, uh, that was going on at the time of their first album um, and of uh, um, I guess License to Ill was their first one uh, and uh, of Paul's Boutique is is something that's kind of played out over the last 30 years kind of in different uh, forms kind of most recently uh, with uh, Macklemore um, and, and the Grammys um, and and kind of around the same time uh, around Iggy Azalea, right? And then and there's you could draw several kind of other pieces, um, uh, lines at different places. You know, there are discussions that came up with Eminem, uh, and and discussions that came up with um, with Vanilla Ice. And it's interesting because these are all very different artists, right? And I think that the way that the conversation plays out um, is 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 very is very different. Um, but I, I do think that it matters a, a lot that the BC Boys are are white, um, and I, I think that I mean I think that the other contextual piece that that does matter a lot is that um, their first album, if if memory serves correctly, was the first rap album to hit number one on the Billboard charts, um, yeah, and the uh, and the best selling rap album of the eighties, if I if I'm correct. And 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 the, and the, so so that matters, right? Yeah, yeah. And and also that first album was kind of a joke, yeah, right? Like, yeah. uh, and this was their follow up, their album number two, and it seems like they took the route of saying, we're going to do something that's so manifestly an art project that no one will be able to accuse us of sort of, of doing the Elvis thing where we take uh, a black music and make it more palatable and thereby get super rich and famous off of it. We're going to make it way less palatable, you know, uh, in, in a way we're going to, we're going to go very, very hard. Now, I don't know that they necessarily followed that all the way. And certainly they did make quite a lot of money off of it. And I would say that something like sabotage is, you know, for better or worse, it's easier, an easier sell than it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Right. Uh, yeah. but Paul's boutique, not, not so much. Yeah, it is interesting though that they they didn't disappear into obscurity, right? Like, I mean, another kind of question I considered asking is: Are the BC Boys a novelty act? Uh, um, and they're kind of a self renewing novelty act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's weird is that they one of their first big things was uh, the Cookie Puss song, which is basically yeah. like a bunch of prank calls, right? Yeah. And I realized as I was listening to this, like I said, I'm not really a Beastie Boys fan. I was like, oh, wait, I was thinking of the Jerky Boys. And then I went back and listened to, <laughs> I went back and listened to Cookie Puss, and I was like, oh, no, no, that, right, that's, uh, that's them. kind of the same thing. <laughs> well, and, uh, and, and before that, right, like even before Cookie Puss, they were a hardcore punk band, right? Um, and, and that they, and, and you can still find, I'll put a, a, a link in the show notes, um, uh, there is one EP recorded as the BC Boys as a hardcore punk band um, that they recorded and as as teenagers uh, with at least two of the three kind of eventual BC Boys uh, in this lineup. And uh, you know, this is a band that kind of played in downtown Manhattan uh, and opened for bands like Bad Brains um, and Black Flag, right? And and so that there's, I think that there, like that is like the, these kinds of like like these kind of punk pranksters is kind of part of where the dna is um and like you say a lot of fight for your right to party it's it's this hard thing where it's this, it's it's an interesting thing where like they told a joke and everyone took it seriously right <laughs> uh <laughs> And, and, and it was this hard thing where, like, they were kind of, uh, there's a joke that was kind of about kind of, I mean, in some ways, right, that it was kind of a joke about privilege, but, like, part of the way that privilege works is that people take you seriously. <laughs> um, and so, so there's like, you know, I think there's a little bit of a, a, and, and I think that there is a little bit of just un, you know, unconscious kind of, you know, white male privilege uh, on the first album and, and in all of them, but that there is, 
that that like that there is also this kind of um, skewering that and kind of amping that up both in the kind of um, the broishness uh, and in the the you know we talked a little bit about um, you know fighting for your right to party and fighting for your uh, uh, partying for your right to fight uh, last week uh, and that there is a sense where that's a, a, a send up but that became an anthem for some <laughs> right yeah, absolutely absolutely and you know when you're a kid and not being able to party is your biggest problem well there i've revealed how privileged my upbringing was right but, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it can seem real serious at the time and and right. that's when you want to hear somebody whose whose voice has that much of a sneer in it whether yeah. it's you know whether it's johnny rotten or or one of the beastie boys i mean that, and that is interesting right so it's a kind of a combination of of punk like a, like the ingredients at least in that earlier era are are kind of that punk sneering um a little bit of that kind of ironic treatment of of privilege um and and rap right which they they genuinely liked but i think there's a little bit where those things start to blur right and and as that becomes popular it it becomes a little bit like rap is what's being made fun of or that this is kind of you know a a cookie cuttery kind of 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 rap right and so so i think that this is all setting up kind of again some of the expectations that this is playing against and this still has this still has a lot of that but i think that there is a lot more kind of overt kind of like referentiality i mean i I think that the referentiality is like no we're we're actually smart which is its own kind of privilege thing right (laughs) like Mm. um where uh it's very there's a lot of name droppiness but not not kind of street cred name droppiness um it's like it's you know the kind of having that referential depth and breadth in a pre-wikipedia uh era (laughs) is quite impressive (laughs) well yeah no that's true that's true in a way it reminds me of the conversation y'all were having about weezer a few episodes back Right. Um, with the with the difference that in the context of rap where you're spitting out so many words per minute, each one of those references isn't dwelled on for long enough to be obnoxious. Right. Like they, they don't have to be profound. It might just be something that rhymes and that makes it a lot more palatable, I think. Yeah, I think that's no, I think that's exactly right. Um and yeah, you're you're going a lot faster, right? You're you're kind of it's it's like a a a forest that you are driving by uh at like, you know, 60 or maybe 80 miles per hour whereas Rivers Cuomo drives you through like, you know, at about 5 and points at the tree. <laughs> and the, yeah, and, yeah. and and the tree is like him saying is him saying I'm the epitome of public enemy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the referentiality thing because it's it's something that i was thinking of trying to triangulate this album with the other big rap albums that you've been c- covered on the show recently one that that we covered the the rick yeah, rakim one yeah, right yeah. and then also uh it takes a nation of millions yep. so when rakim is talking i said on that episode i feel like what he talks about is almost not important it's it's yeah. all about like the delivery and the rhythm and that kind of stuff but when he is saying something like uh that he goes into outer space right he's talking about how much much of a journey he's taking you on as a rapper or something like that. So it has a very direct sort of meaning. Um, when you have a, a nation of millions, I feel like the, the lyrical content is a lot more specific and a lot more meaningful. There is this sort of, um, I don't want to say name dropping exactly, but you're expected to catch the references. Yeah. So when he uh, when he says he's a recorded and ordered supporter of Chesimard, he's referring to a particular radical black liberation activist, Asada Shakur, uh, who was convicted of murder and escaped from prison and has been living in exile in Cuba. Um, and I think that she her prison break was pretty recent when uh, when that happened, like within a decade at least. So uh, by aligning himself with her, this is somebody who is like you know, literally a public enemy. Um, right. And it's a, a pretty a pretty heavy reference to drop, right? So there, a lot of people won't know what that's about, but if you do know, it really means a lot. And it's kind of important. The same deal when he's talking about uh, the government being grafted devils, right? That's a, that's a reference to Nation of Islam stuff about yep. white people not yeah. being human. Yeah. I don't know if Chuck D believes that wholly, but definitely the persona is that he's buying into that. And that's part of the aesthetic experience of dealing with 
public enemy, right? Yeah. It's like you hear these car alarms and you're being confronted with like a, a very stark and violent ideology. And that's, yeah. that, you know, that's the point. It's not a criticism. So what does it mean? And I, I just, I don't know when the Beastie Boys rhyme Jacoby and Myers with Goodyear tires or Jerry Falwell with uh, Mario Andretti always drives his car well. Uh, what does that mean? What I does mean- that tell us about them? It's it's that I mean I think it, it tells me that they they have televisions <laughs> and, and, and and no no and and I like let me kind of cash this out right it's it's that it kind of feels like the things that it makes me think a little bit um, about are the kind of like media saturated environment of the eighties the kind of like um, and and I think a little bit of um, uh, you know a little bit of like the kind of environment that's that's depicted at the like uh at the start of um of white noise uh by uh Delilo, right that like that is like you know it's that that is this kind of there is just like constant signal right um and it's so much signal it becomes noise right uh and so it's it, it's brands and people um and 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 just like a a humming of of kind of 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 overwhelming pop culture right more pop culture that you can handle and they're kind of of um you know a, a generation that is is i think raised kind of you know they're 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 an interesting generation right they're kind of in a a I, we talked about this a bit with um and i would need to look at their exact ages but we talked about this a little bit with sonic youth is that they're kind of in this taint generation um between the boomer and Gen X, right? They're they're a little old to be Gen X, um, but they're they're still in this like space, you know, growing up uh, in in the seventies where they're getting just a uh, you know a, a slightly wider bore uh, um, fire hose of, of pop culture. So there's a little bit of this kind of. Um, it's a, a slightly more it's a less organized it, it's a more stream of consciousness we didn't start the fire and because yeah. and they did start the fire right? like, or, or i mean maybe when when the beastie boys rap about the flintstones it's like when jay-z raps about dealing cocaine right yeah this yeah. isn't pretty but this is the life that i lived yeah yeah the, no exactly yeah like it, right this is like the way that they they came up right it, it's that that they are kind of you know they they were um um, yeah, that it's that they have kind of been drinking from the fire hose uh, and are then reappropriating the fire hose, right? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. That I've used both the the hose and the fire uh, uh, as as metaphors uh, for this, but there is this sense where it's just that there is there's a, a a lot of ideas and that there's a bit of kind of redirecting this and, and i mean it's definitely and i think that this dovetails with the sonics um you know in the production by the dust brothers of i mean it's bricolage on bricolage right <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um and, and i think that there's a lot but i think that that said i think it's not there are enough things that there's stuff that jumps out that um are like you know it, when you're looking at a kind of a collage or a, a kind of piece that has like a lot of um the, a lot of constituent parts there are still going to be some I mean, I think when they're done well, some kind of shinier or more attention-grabbing objects or pieces uh, or cutouts than others. And I think that's definitely the case on this, where there's a few lines or a few samples that really grab your attention and start to um, and, and start to accumulate and relate to each other in a way that then it does. It's not like it all unlocks and every single line has has meaning, but that I think that that it kind of you, you start to see some of the the patterns. Um, yeah, yeah. It's almost like there's an aesthetic of thinking that anything might be connected to anything else. Right. <laughs> right. And like, and that sort of that, uh, that frame of receptiveness or that search then actually becomes kind of the meaning of it. Like it doesn't actually need to build into anything if it gets you, um, if it gets you thinking along those lines and listening in that way so that when they bring up the eggs that I eat, I forget what, what song that's in that isn't Eggman, but immediately <laughs> you're like, Oh, eggs again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, egg, yeah, no, uh, well, egg, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, so that's the, like, the, the pop culture references, right? Which are usually very foregrounded, right? And, like, a lot of them are, are stuff that you'd have heard of, the Flintstones again, right? Everyone knows the Flintstones. Um, 
the other kinds of references that you get are like the hip hop references. And a lot of these, I found myself like, I'd hear it and I'd be like, that's a sample of something that I'm pretty sure is later. Uh, and I, you know, like for instance, when they have a woo-ha, got you all in check, I was like, they cannot be before Busta Rhymes. And it turns out that that's actually from a Sugar Hill Gang song, which I hadn't known. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other one is when, uh, when they have the, the line, woo, woo is my disco call, right? From, yeah, uh, yeah. from Shake Your Rump. I was like, so that's that's got to be a KRS-One sample. But actually, that's a later KRS-One song. And it wow. comes from a, a disco song by Foxy called Get Off, which uh, I went and listened to. It's kind of a terrible song, I think. But uh, what's interesting is that the rhythm of it is the same in the Beastie Boys and KRS-One, and it's squarer in Foxy. So it might be that KRS-One is actually listening back to them here. Um, and you get these weird kind of, like... Um, chains of succession or something like that or chains of reference within hip-hop that if you're sort of savvy to them make uh make the experience much much richer so those are two that i uh that i said right they're like um the the woo-ha one the uh the woo one um it's interesting that it goes from being the disco call to the sound of the police right yeah. uh, and then the the third one is just uh shake your rump which is that's also a sample. I think it's Africa Bambata and James Brown working together on a yeah. song that they're sampling there. And I immediately think of Rex and effects, right? Yep. Not, yeah. that, uh, not that it sounds the same, but just the idea of rump shaking in hip hop as opposed to ass jiggling or twerking or any other kind of gluteal oscillation. And what I'm wondering is how many of these little textual tags am I missing, right? Because I'm not that much of a hip hop head. Like it, I'm mentioning KRS-One and Rex and effects and, uh, and Busta Rhymes. These are all like big hits that got lots of radio play and you still hear today in coffee shops but how much of every little line is made of building blocks that have been sampled before and then sampled again in a way that like maybe the ideal listener to to i mean certainly the ideal listener to uh to buster rhymes when he does Wuha, got you all in check probably should at least know the sugar hill gang song right if right. not also the beastie boys song and i was not that ideal listener i, I always thought of that as like something that buster rhymes had thought up because he was just so crazy Right, right. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I, and and because it, it's so that is so linked to his kind of identity and his persona, right? And and, and the kind of image of him like writhing around, right? Uh, and and I think that it's the, the other thing that it does is it, it it is interesting in that part of what this does, in part because it's like you said, one of the last. Like uh, probably one of the last, if not the last. Um, uh, albums that's sample dense in this way right that once you get to the 90s and um you, you're getting many more of these like one or two sample songs right and and it's and 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 they're they're kind of you know people are it's, it's less of this kind of unfettered um uh wild west uh where you're kind of grabbing what you can i actually would like to talk about if we we can at some point talk about the wild west because i feel like the wild west crops up uh, a few times in in high plains drifter and with johnny cash uh and and with the banjo, right? There is a sense of wild westishness, um, I think, and uh, and and so that when you get some of these other pieces and 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 the samples later. Um, they're, they're often even distilled versions of, of one little piece that's in here. I mean, I, so for a couple others, um, just to kind of, um, to, to, to cash out that there are definitely more, um, is that, uh, and one that actually, uh, Rachel, TFT punk correspondent Rachel pointed out to me, uh, is that in a year and a day, um, samples, um, the Isley Brothers song, Who's That Lady, uh, which is, um, most recently, uh, which has been sampled a bunch, um, most recently by Kendrick Lamar in his song, I um, that was on to Pimp a Butterfly that we uh, discussed oh, at the end yeah. of last year, um, and that's like very very striking um, and and really interesting. And then uh, right after that, um, in the next track uh, or piece in B Boy Bill Bay's um, "Hello Brooklyn," is uh, is sampled by like uh, the actually Beastie's voices themselves are sampled by Jay Z on a song called uh, "Hello Brooklyn" uh, from the American Gangster album, um, and. 
and uh, and so um, and I believe is that the uh, I think that has a Pink Floyd sample in it as well. So that's even that's like that's a case where rather than there being an earlier hip hop song, that there is a kind of this is like some of the like you know that uh, uh, that even even apart from say ninety nine problems or Jay Z's collaboration with um, you know with Lincoln Park, right? That there's there's like I mean the idea that like there's a rap rock apart from just rap rap <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, or rock rock. Uh, I think starts to break down on this album because I, I think that um, and, and we, we talked about this a little bit this with uh, with Run DMC as well is that there's uh, you know just due to some of the 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 influence of Def Jam Records and Rick Rubin um, and and his work with uh, you know um, and he worked on the first uh, Beasties album um, and and was uh, and worked uh, a bit with with Run DMC um, you know just that kind of influence and the influence of those acts kind of there i mean there are you know acts and and there was there i guess there's there's much more of a rather than there being rap rock which is some little de- dead end that there's a rap rock dialectic right <laughs> um and sure yeah yeah and i would say that this is one of the the beastie boys are one of the most sort of fully formed statements of that dialectic uh meaning that you get sort of all of the possibility and all of the the wonder that could be there but you also get the um sort of the dead end that needs to sublate itself right yeah I had, a, I had a question set aside for uh looking down the barrel of a gun where i said ryan this song with its snarling guitars and its violent lyrics and its sneering rhythmically unsophisticated rapping is this limp biscuit i mean it's interesting because uh rachel also re- referred to it as as proto sleigh bells right it, that it, it, it's both proto sleigh bells and proto limp biscuit um and i i think that uh on the album where we discussed um the episode where Matt and I discussed sleigh bells um, a couple of years ago. It was actually a very early TFT episode, a Theory for Turntables episode. Um, I think the title of that episode is "It's a Fine Line Between Fred Durst and Beck," right? And <laughs> and 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 the fact is, I think that like the, the like in terms of of influence and musical styles, what, what this kind of to kind of put this together is not only is it a fine line, but like here's the here's the spoiler uh, of this kind of long kind of serialized drama is. That um, I guess spoiler alert: Fred Durst, uh, Fred Durst, and Beck are siblings, and the Beastie Boys are the parents. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> um, right in in that, that so yeah. so so Fred Durst is like the evil Macaulay Culkin kid, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's it's a good you know I think that a lot of this one of the themes in this. Uh, in, as we kind of march into the 90s is making our peace with with rap rock right um, and uh, and finding the ways um, in which it it, it it why it works when it works and why it really doesn't when it doesn't uh, and I think some of that has to do with I, I think a lot of that has to do with some of these things that we've talked about actually it's this kind of interplay uh, between um, between aggression and privilege right and so so that when it, I think rap rock kind of curdles, it's it's when there's the kind of aggression plus kind of unchecked, unaware privilege, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and I think that um maybe the reason why Eggman is the song that stood out to me so much to, to bring us back to that for a second yeah, yeah. is because it's like, it's this violence fantasy where instead of actually doing any harm, they're throwing eggs in people's faces. And like, I mean, it's not exactly metaphorical but it's also not exactly literal because they're doing stuff like mugging people at egg point right like they throw an egg in somebody's face and then take his wallet right which is not uh not how the prank usually goes down and they're also saying that eggs are a symbol of life and there's this whole sort of uh potentially like you know uh very very nc-17 sexual metaphor that's going on through it perhaps you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um the the other kind of sort of runny protein that might be involved right right, <laughs> right. okie <Ookie> egg uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um 
And then the the music has, of course, the psycho strings running around in the background, yeah. which is very very violent. Um, but I feel like that song is actually just like this beautiful antidote to uh, to the worst excesses of Limp Bizkit, which probably Limp Bizkit isn't even actually the worst, right? I'm sure there's a hundred um, rap rock groups that never got airplay that tried to differentiate themselves by being even more violent than Limp Bizkit yeah. was, right? Um, and uh, you could just play that song and they would have no way to come back at it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a few a few things here that are really interesting. Another is that this is not the only um, uh, BC Boys song about egging people. <laughs> um, that actually, <laughs> that they they have a song called Egg Raid on Mojo uh, that was from their their punk days that was about throwing eggs at the bouncer at a club that always hassled them. <laughs> uh, and and there's a there's a documentary with some of the guys that were in the band and that iteration of the band, and they're like, yeah, that is just a very literal true story that like is called egg raid on mojo because we had we, we we staged an egg raid on mojo the bouncer at this club <laughs> um, <laughs> and i think that and, and this kind of shows uh, the the journey that they, they've gone on is that like there is a a story right it starts with kind of um a, a story of of mugging at egg point but then it does kind of it, it is interesting that it, it definitely kind of goes off into this rumination on the nature of eggs Right. It's like, and I guess it's like, there's another thing that it's almost worth talking about that it comes up a few times is that there is a way in which this is a, um, not even a, a one way. I think it's worth noting that this is a stoner album, right? Um, yes. I was just going to say that this is, this song comes out of, uh, lying in wait to egg the bouncer at this club and smoking lots of weed and yep. looking at the thing that's in your hands, which is not just <laughs> your hands, but eggs and saying, you ever think about eggs? Exactly. Exactly. That's, and, and that's, I think the other piece, right? So that, that you have the, the, um, you know, the primordial stew for this kind of uh, zoning out um, is is the pop culture that they've absorbed, but then they're kind of getting baked and letting it free, letting the free association happen. Um, and for me, I think the song actually where that um, happens a lot, uh, and I think the other is the one I quoted uh, is the sounds of science, because um, I think that sounds of, of science really has this right. Um, feel of like i mean i feel like right to kind of go through the parts of the song uh and and that you have like it, it, you know the the you have the first piece that is like the kind of uh well i'll call the like the the little kind of moo cow ba- uh, moo cow waltz it's not exactly in waltz time but it's a it's a moo cow sh- sea shanty uh is the first uh movement of sounds of science uh, all right i like that um right and uh and 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 uh, and it kind of uh, climaxes in uh, right. It's it's sing songy. It's drawn out. Like that is the getting high. That's the smoking of the uh, of of the weed. Um, and then and oh, this is uh, by the way, a straight edge person describes getting high um, is is what's happening now. But you know uh, you know uh, you know confirm or deny if if uh, if reading this process right. So then what happens is that there is this. Um, this moment where there's the rope a dope line, um, which I feel is is kind of where the energy turns, right? And um, and and that you, I believe, in that moment and in a few other moments, you get this kind of like this crowd noise, like the the kind of music drops out. Uh, the crowd noise is actually sampling the crowd noise from Sergeant Pepper's, um, if if you recognize that crowd noise, and that's kind of part of. I, I read this as like the primordial stew, as like the ooze, um, and then you kind of get uh, as the um, um, as the, the the Abbey Road song comes in, as the end uh, kicks in, and, and the riff, you kind of get the Big Bang and the kind of creative the the creative association uh, that is kind of the um, is, is the product of the drugs plus the kind of the upbringing and the, the kind of back and the the background, and it's where you kind of get um, the. Um, uh, the 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 kind of coming together and the line that I quoted is one of the ones that's um, 
you know, I, I think the line that really strikes me is the the um, the fulcrum is the Ponce de Leon constantly on the fountain of youth, uh, not Robotron of this kind of and and that there is something here of you know on the one hand balancing this becoming more mature, this being a more, more mature kind of more weird, more ambitious album, and yet kind of hanging on to a certain kind of youthfulness, right? There is the egging, there is the kind of um, the 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 moo cow sounds right um but that there is also right that i mean i think especially with ponce de leon it's not only just discovering eternal youthfulness but it's it's the discovery right that that there is a sense of of both kind of invention and path blazing in the service of 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 juvenileness right uh it's kind of it's very weird science right it's the sounds of weird science right yeah and that they they want to be more perfect beastie boys but not beastie men right be you know the beastie man is fred durst again that's not what you want right right exactly right uh and 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 that's what's really interesting is it right that the telos of of the beastie boy is not the beastie man uh it's it's the beastie boy the telos of the beastie boy is the beastie boy wearing the like the 70s wig and mustache uh in sabotage right (laughs) is a the telos of the beastie boy is a beastie boy dressed up like a man (laughs) sure Yeah, yeah it's interesting i feel like this uh this record has a very clear idea of um what the space is that it's trying to get to and i think that uh that you quite accurately identified the the second half of sounds of science as like one of those moments the other one is um a year and a day that that section of um of b-boy booyah bass which is the one where i think it's mca like delivers an unassailable rap verse like there's a certain amount of jokiness in their delivery, although they also do stuff that's more ambitious, especially with the way that they sort of play back and forth. But here he's just sort of like, in case there was any doubt as to whether I can really rap, here you go. Right. And it's, yeah. uh, and it's this very high energy thing where it's jumping all over the place in terms of the imagery as well. Um, and then the, I think I had a third one. I may not have it anymore. Oh, yes. Uh, the, the hook of Shake Your Rump which yeah. is like that's the lead off track and that uh that bass drone is yes like, it's almost right. dubstep if you listen to it on the right yeah, speakers yeah, right yeah yeah um which again it's like it's this very um enervating sort of uh caffeinated feel um it's not you know it, it's not slow it's not simple it's sort of pushing the boundaries um in a, a really kind of exciting way so it's like it's on the the rise up of the i don't know of the pharmaceutical experience or just of the party right like not at not at the end not when you're calming down not when you're having necessarily deep thoughts when you're having lots and lots of thoughts one after another right right no that's exactly i mean and that is i mean that's lots and lots of thoughts one after another is like a synopsis of the album right <laughs> yeah that's pretty good uh, that works uh and and i think that that is 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 really interesting yeah i mean that sound that it's really interesting you know we talk a lot about these kind of sonic moments um and 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 this is interesting because it's kind of a bait and switch right because the the song uh the album starts with to all the girls and it's this this weird kind of lounge jazz spoken word thing right and and the, like if that's the defining moment it's like ugh. like the, like i remember when i like re um and like, the beastie boys have a number of these kinds of instrumental tracks sprinkled throughout their catalog uh on on, on many of the albums and some of them they actually are playing the instrumentals i believe i think that here it's sampled um and it's like the, the whole it's very this like very loud act. it's like for me this like connects to girls from their first album but in a kind of unfavorable way right like girls there's something about the brattiness of girls that 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 is that 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 holds up and is is fun and this is like this actually veers into right so it's a, it's it's a beastie man fake out right um and and, then, uh, and 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 you you get a sense that it's not very serious but it's still weird um but then the kind of one two punch of the drums coming in right that they cut it off you know there's almost the record scratching sound right uh and and shaker rump comes in 
very very seriously very i mean the, the with with serious intent um and then and so like and then the bass drone comes in right so that there are these kinds of you think the first sonic moment is uh to all the girls but that's really kind of an overture right um and then yeah, yeah. And, and and then you you it's a fake out overture um and then and then you get actually not one but two defining sonic movements uh moments as, as shaker rump comes out and and i just remember kind of the emotional journey i went on and i had listened to this album um a bit um it was a few years ago i got i'd gotten into it um it, i was kind of late coming to it um uh, after liking uh, the bc boys in the 90s and i did, hadn't remembered this experience when i first listened to it but when i was listening to it last week i was like Ugh, this is good might be more dr- more drudgery than i expected and then shaker rum came in i'm like and, and i was like oh right and then that bass drone came in and, and, and but bass drone came in and i was uh extra excited right and so it's it's a very cool fake out yeah yeah a, a nice uh, a nice bait and switch um it's interesting they do have that kind of like that juvenile um it's a way of approaching women that's sort of like a dog chasing a car, right? Like you yeah. can't imagine what they would do if they if they ever achieved it. Um, and, and yet, I, I want to point out, right, that Ad Rock is married to Kathleen Hanna uh, of Bikini Kill. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird, isn't it? Um, I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you kind of like that blew my mind because I hadn't known that. Uh, I watched the Kathleen uh, Hanna documentary, The Pug Singer, and it kind of is revealed. And it was like, it, I mean, it, it was it was shocking to me because I just didn't know that about either of them <laughs> and i think they did they do a pretty good good job of keeping it on the low because it's not great for either of their personal brands <laughs> sure yeah, yeah, yeah but go on uh go on because uh, he did uh, uh he, like that, that's what happens right is that you marry like you know a, a feminist icon <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so i was going to ask like when you have uh i forget which song this is from but i just put it in my notes there's a girl over there with long brown hair took her to the place threw the mattress in her face took off her shirt took off her bra took off her pants you know what i saw that's like that's it right what is that doing there is that just like beastiness and boyishness to make sure that they're um neither mature enough to be men or like polite enough to be non-beastie yeah i don't know it's it's a good it's a good question i mean i guess the question is is that kind of is it vestigial? It feels kind of vestigial, right? <laughs> like it, 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 it feels like a a left. Like I mean, that's another way of putting what uh, what you're saying is that it feels like a, a holdover of like, no, guys, we're still the Beastie Boys. <laughs> yeah, 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 but like when they're doing so much to distance themselves yeah. from their their first incarnation, right? Like why not have it be a totally serious art project? And there's something that like you get a lot actually in, um, in very ambitious pop music projects. Like I'm thinking of, um, at the end of Abbey road, right after the big suite, which is this big statement of rock music as art. Yeah. There's uh, that little sort of hidden track, uh, her majesty. Yeah. Her right? majesty is a very nice girl to do, but do, 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 do. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are literally the lyrics. Um, which like, it's kind of like, Oh, but we're not really serious. Right. Um, so you, I don't know, maybe it's a, maybe it's like a flinching that the, by doing that, they have kind of an alibi. If anyone yeah. ever takes them to task for it. Um, it's a little although, bit of a, it's a little bit of a humble brag also. It's, it's like a little bit, it, it is just like, well, it, it's, it's a, or it's, a, it's like, I guess it's not exactly a humble brag, but it's a related kind of defense mechanism of like undercutting. So if, like you say, if anyone criticizes, it's like, well, no, but we were just like, look, I mean, we look, look at this line. Like we weren't trying to be good. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. like or, we were, we or, were just um, being terrible. <laughs> or it's, I, don't, I can't remember what the term is. Um, in in evolutionary biology for like the the way that uh the peacock's big beautiful tail shows that it must be a really good peacock because it's burned so many calories on that tail like the tail is actually hurting it because it has to eat so much more food and therefore the female peacock knows that it's uh that it's good at being a peacock right uh that maybe this is sort of the beastie boys doing that they're like we can afford to put in this juvenile little nursery rhyme and we're still making great art right yeah it's a uh yeah 
it's it's uh, it's a costly it's a costly signal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I think that's the term. Right. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the evolutionary term. In game theory terms, it's definitely that. Like, uh, and and uh, and I would imagine some of ev- ev- like evolutionary science borrows a bit from game theory. So I'm sure there are other on the pure biology side, other, but like definitely in kind of game theory, um, I would definitely call it uh, that. Um, you know, the other one I wanted to talk about um, that is, I think dovetails with some of this, um, and, and it's definitely more of the, on the, well, it's actually, right, so kind of contrasting with those kind of, some of those, the most juvenile lyrics, you then also have, um, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Um, and I, yeah. I really want to talk about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, right, because, I, and I don't know why, I guess maybe I, I realized in listening to this song and thinking about that, I, I guess I liked the book of Daniel uh, more than I realized. <laughs> That's um, true, true. Sure. And because uh, I, I definitely remember the units, uh, or maybe my my Sunday school teachers liked the Book of Daniel uh, a lot because I, I I definitely remember and um, like you know really getting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, a lot, right? And so. Uh, and and so, uh, as, as for those of you who did who did not get uh, you know deep dive into the book of Daniel uh, in the Old Testament uh, of, of the Bible, and I believe it's uh, and it's in yeah and and in kind of the the Jewish tradition as well, right that. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and, uh, and Abednego are three Jewish men um, that were punished by King Nebuchadnezzar uh, for bowing down to a graven idol, right? Um, and and that uh, and then and they're thrown into this uh, furnace um, and do not burn. Uh, and in fact, probably God, probably for not bowing down to the graven idol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually bowing down to. The oh, did I say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. All right, I may have misspoken. They they were they were ordered to bow down. They did not bow down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I may have misspoke in my my torrent. Of, I'm just I'm just a big I'm a big Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fanboy, uh, <laughs> and so I was so excited, right? So that um, King Nebuchadnezzar says, "Bow down," um, uh, which which was what uh, Beyonce sampled, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, not not that many people know that. Uh, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, say no, um, and and he throws them into the furnace uh and they do not burn uh and and uh, a fourth uh figure is seen uh walking with them um and so they're 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 protected by god uh for for their faith right and and for obeying um the commandments about not taking uh graven idols and i i think that it's so funny right uh you know we talked a little bit about rap geniuses and rap geniusing uh and and uh and not not to say like like the way that like uh uh that that uh, rap genius treats this is like they actually try to like match which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego matches up to which BC boy, and it, but it's like it really is like Meshach matches to Mike D because they both start with M, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like no, let's like take a little like a more sense of like all right, let's look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of <laughs> of three Jewish guys being burned uh, for for not. Not following religious orthodoxy <laughs> of the of, of the place in which they are a, a minority, right? Yeah, right. It's, yeah, there are Jews and there are three of them. I think that's the level of the symbolism. Well, um, well, and it's, but I think it's that. I mean, I think that there's also the not bowing down. <laughs> that, like, I think there. Yeah, yeah. The last line: "Tell us what to do." Hell no. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, exactly. And that the, and and that they are not burning up, right? That this is so. This is like live from inside the furnace, right? Like sure. so Paul's yeah. boutique is a furnace, uh, <laughs> um, and and that there's a little bit of. I mean, I think there's also a little bit of like they're putting themselves in the furnace. Uh, I, so in that way, it's also kind of like you know, you, do you know who else uh, sampled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Khaleesi, right? <laughs> right? Khaleesi, Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> goes into the fire and does not burn, right? Um, and, and this is a sign of, of her kind of being destined to greatness. But for but Daenerys, th- um, th- you know, not once but twice. I guess spoilers for Game of Thrones. 
uh, you know, if, you, if you're a new listener, we spoil. We, we, we are liable to spoil anything or anything. But Daenerys uh, uh, voluntarily enters fire on multiple occasions um, and survives unscathed. And I think that there is a little bit of that going on in this album. We, we kind of talked about that earlier. Of it, and so as much as there is an undercutting of the artistic a- ambition, I think on this song you see a recognition of that ambition of like, this is a risky maneuver. Uh, and are we going to burn up? Uh, or are we, or are we going to, are we going to survive? Cause th- those are the stakes at this point, um, based on who we are and kind of what we did, right? Like the first album was them not bowing down. Um, and, and, and so I don't know. That's my, that's my reading of, of of that and kind of um how it relates to the overall project of of the album as a whole yeah that's interesting it is sort of like a a statement of of seriousness in a way and of ambition and of kind of um well i mean you're you're not exactly comparing yourself to jesus because that would be the wrong religion but you're it's uh in a way a very he was, arrogant he was thing. Jewish too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a very arrogant thing to say like we are like these people who are divinely like sanctioned by god right, right? Um, the good kind of sanction. The other thing that it is, though, is that like there's actually a pretty long tradition of music based on that particular tale from Daniel. Yes. It's not uh, again. It's sort of like not exactly a deep cut, but uh, but something that if you're paying attention to all the all the religious music out there, um, there's a Sly and the Family Stone song that actually gets sampled. I think in this, uh, there's a Bob Marley song that uh, that uses them. There's a Johnny Cash song, right, called "The Fourth Man in the Fire." And I'm taking this all off of the Wikipedia list, of course. But uh, I was you like, know. man, you like I didn't know I found we found another uh, 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 Shadrach, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego fan. I'll see yeah. you at the convention, dude. An- another Shadhead. <laughs> Right here. Head, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but just that it uh it, it plays again into that um that notion of these um kind of uh i don't know what the term is um when you like rather than looking within the beastie boys catalog to see how they always use this symbol whenever they use it to look at how the symbol is used across many artists over a long of time and sort of slice the cake that way um although this is not like uh like shake your rump it's another one of these sort of floating symbols that connects to all these different places yeah i think that's exactly right and i think that it is interesting because i know Part of, I think, part of why the story stuck for me is at some point I heard one of the other songs also in a Sunday school class, right? And and it's an interesting thing in that the ways in which you have these stories or items or, or kind of, you know, pieces of pop culture and then kind of you know, I mean, music is also pop culture, but that, that you kind of have pieces of music that, that also, um, reference or connect to these other ideas. Um, and, and, and that partially makes them sticky, right? So in kind of, you have jingles associated with, uh, with bands, or you have songs that you hear in specific places at specific times. Um, and, 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 and I think that, a lot of what this album is doing is finding ways to kind of um, connect them to each other, and and that you you get the, like uh, the, it's finding these things that are made sticky through music, right? Um, and 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 kind of unsticking them and resticking them to other things, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that like the the aesthetic of sampling, even if you take the the sampling out of it and just deal with the lyrics, is still informing everything about it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that is that's it's very interesting. Yeah. And you know what? Let's uh, let's talk a little bit. You were saying that you couldn't make an album like this again, but I'd like to point to two people who, yeah. in their own way, are doing this. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. The obvious one is Girl Talk. Yep. Who's just who takes the fuck the police attitude? Yeah. Um, and then the non-obvious one is Pitbull because there's a song wow. of his called Hotel Room Service. Mm-hmm, you know the mm-hmm, one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is like entirely assembled of little quotes from other people's rap songs. Um, really? I don't know if I realized that. I mean, like, I don't know about entirely, but a lot, right? So but I like, know the hotel, motel, ho- ho- yeah. 
So that's Sugar Hill Gang, right? Yeah. And then there's a line in there where he says, give me that sweet, that nasty, that gushy stuff, yep. which is Jay-Z, Jay-Z, right? The two plus two, I'm going to undress you is, I think that's another children's rhyme, but it's also a two life crew song. And like, I've done about, uh, and the, if, if your girl's not with it, I've got somebody. And by nature, she's naughty, which I mean, that's not actually quoting a naughty by nature song, but it's clearly referencing naughty by nature, right? And it's also a pretty short song that repeats a lot. So I've told you half the words already. <laughs> Yeah. But that that kind of assembling of quotations and references is the kind of thing that the the backing track does here. Backing tracks today can't really do that if you're following the law, but Pitbull sort of did it with the lyrics there. So it's a hat tip to him. That's really fascinating. Um, and it is, I mean, and there are other rappers who do that pretty heavily. I mean, I think uh, not, not at quite that level of density, um, but, but Jay-Z overall does that quite a lot as well um, and, and kind of uh, uh, does a lot of, of uh, I mean, I think especially to kind of Biggie, but I think to other kind of pieces, right? That, and, and I mean, I think hip-hop, as a general, we talked about this uh, uh, as well, of it's sometimes surprising to figure out where a given line or sample started. And at a certain point, finding out where it started is is kind of irrelevant because it's that these things just kind of are right uh yeah yeah, they become sort of free-floating yeah yeah exactly um i don't know it is interesting uh that if you really wanted to create uh paul's boutique today you need girl talk and three pit bulls right (laughs) you know the sonics are about right too (laughs) right uh i mean i would i would see uh of course if they had pit bull replication technology um i I mean that that itself is 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 very of great strategic importance Uh, i mean i guess why stop at three pit bulls (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh uh when you can have an army uh, i mean he is mr well, maybe he is a clone right this is what mr worldwide means is that there are in fact uh pitbulls everywhere no no because the fourth pitbull of course is the holy spirit <laughs> well i think that's probably about as good of a place to stop as any uh because uh the the egg uh the egg is a symbol of life and and pitbull is a symbol of uh of death <laughs> And the, and the end of time, uh, and, and that greater life beyond uh, uh, this one. Um, but this is, I think this is a, a testament to uh, to Paul's Boutique and its kind of generative uh, potential, right? And that even, like, again, on, on Listen 1, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I think that was the tone of, of the message you sent to me last night, I think after probably your first listen or half listen. Um, and yet here we are, right? Uh, kind of gushing excitedly about 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 pitbull and and biblical lore uh and and sampling and 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 all manner of things um so uh, join the conversation join join the the babbling brook of uh, of excitement if you uh feel moved by the spirit uh you can uh join that uh through several different uh tributaries um Many of which you may know. Um, we can you can find us on Twitter uh, at TFT Podcast on Facebook Theory for Turntables. Uh, and on the show notes at overthinkingit.com, uh, you can click on the, uh, the post for this episode, uh, and there's a comment thread there and an opportunity to interact with us and with, uh, with other listeners. Um, and I think, again, there's a lot to, um, to dive in there, and it's an interesting contrast, uh, with where we were last week with Public Enemy. And I think, again, an interesting piece in this arc, uh, towards, uh, towards the 90s. Um, so, uh, so, so keep, keep listening. And again, I'm sure you'll find more things. Things. You know, you'll find your banger and your your quiet moment, and maybe a few, and probably one or two unfortunate lines. Uh, but uh, they'll be there, uh, and whichever of them you find, and and whatever that provokes in you, just know that it's real. Real. Rope a dope. <laughs>